Welcome back, welcome back everybody to another episode of the Healed by Faith podcast. Today we're going to be talking about something that is super fun, also pretty deep, um, and that is repentance. And when we think about repentance, um, typically it's it like stirs up emotions of like sorrow, but actually in heaven it stirs up emotions of joy. And if you remember Jesus's parable, he says, hey, if you had a hundred sheep, right? And one of them got lost. Wouldn't you leave the 99 sheep to go find that one that was lost? It's like, yeah, of course you would. And when you come home, you're going to be carrying that sheep up on your shoulders and you're going to be yipping and hollering and telling everyone, let's throw a freaking party together, right? And he says, the same thing is true in heaven. But that sheep is a sinner who comes back and repents, right? That's why he says there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. This is what brings God joy, is when we live a whole life full of sin, there's like a progressing disappointment, right? But as we come back to him, as we repent and say, hey, I'm not going to live this way anymore, That brings so much joy to God. Not only does it bring joy to God, but it can literally heal you physically. This is something that I learned on my healing journey and it's something that I want to bring to you so that if you're dealing with something physical or emotional or spiritual or mental, whatever it may be, that you can cleanse that stuff out of you because repentance is how we cleanse the body. That's how we spiritually cleanse. So, Let's take a look at how Jesus actually went about healing people. Now, I'm going to go into Mark chapter 2, verses 5 through 10, the story of the paralytic. Now, if you remember this story, this is when there was, Jesus started becoming very popular. And this is pretty early on, still in his ministry. But he went into this town called Capernaum. And then in Capernaum, he's, he started teaching out, out of a house. So you can only imagine he's probably having dinner or something. And he's probably teaching his disciples. And then this is in a neighborhood where people would kind of be walking by and peep, they'd be able to peep their heads into other people's houses. So Jesus is actually inside somebody's house. This is like a, a pop sermon that he didn't even intend to do, right? But people start crowding out, cr- crowding around him because they, they have heard of his miracles. They've heard of this guy. They hear him. They're like, this guy's a freaking sage, right? And so one guy, one, one person wants to be able to access Jesus, but the crowds are getting so big that he's like, we need to find another way in. And so his buddies take him up to the roof of the house and they start de- detaching the roof to be able to lower down this paralyzed guy down on his mat. Now Jesus looks up at him and he looks up and he's, he sees the faith of not only him, but also his friends. And he said, he looks at him, he's like, don't worry, uh, son, your sins are forgiven. Now that's a direct quote. And, and now there's people watching all around and there's Pharisees and other scribes and other other people who are hearing this, like, your sins are forgiven? They're like, what on earth are you talking about? Your sins are forgiven. Only God can forgive sins. How do you, why do you feel like you have the authority to be able to say your sins are forgiven? And this is when Jesus says, basically starts arguing with these scribes. And he had so many arguments with scribes, it, 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 it makes me, it kind of cracks me up a little bit because he was like such a rebel in his day. But he was trying to show people a new way of doing things. 
And he told the scribes who were saying this is blasphemy. He's like, I said it this way. He's like, I could have said, go and pick up your, your mat and walk. But I said it this way so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sin. He is saying, I, Jesus Christ, have the authority to give sin. That's why I did not say go and pick up your mat and walk or you are healed or any other thing. He said, your sins are forgiven so you know that I have the authority to forgive your sins and that you know that his healing came from the forgiveness of sin. That's how Jesus heals us. When he forgives our sins, he is literally washing us clean and he's patching up all of the, the dark spots or any of the holes that exist in our spiritual field that allow perhaps demonic ent entities to attach to us or just other types of energetic blockages to kind of get in the way and create disease. It's through the forgiveness of sin that we are cleansed. Our spiritual bodies, the foundations of our bodies are healed and through the healing of our spiritual body, everything else, our physical body, our mental body, our emotional body, because everything's linked, right? Those things have not, no darkness has anything to attach onto us anymore. And thus we become healed. Now he did the same thing. There was another paralyzed guy who was sitting next to, um, next to a fountain. And this is in John chapter 5, 14, right? So Jesus is in Jerusalem. And he goes to this paralyzed guy and he's like, hey, do you want to be healed? And he ends up healing him and then disappearing. And he disappeared because he, he healed someone in Jerusalem where tons of people were very strict about the Jewish law. And it was a Sabbath day. And so he, he kind of dipped out of there before any of the Pharisees or, or Sadducees or anyone could come after him. And later he finds him in the temple. And he says, see, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse will happen to you. Now, if you remember, there was another parable where Jesus was saying, hey, when you cast out a demon, it basically goes through these, these restless waters. And if you make room for it to come back, it'll come back. It not only will come back, but it'll bring seven of its friends. So he's saying, stop sinning so that you don't reopen these gaps in your spiritual field that allow for demonic entities or allow for other energies to be able to attach and latch onto you. Because if you become healed and you go back to sinning again, now you're going to get way worse because you opened up your spiritual field and, and all of those demonic energies are going to come back and they're going to come back with a force, right? So in two cases... He's saying, you're, you've been healed by your sins. And again, you've been healed by your sins. But don't keep sinning. Otherwise, it can get even worse. So Jesus is saying flat out, sin can lead to disease. Now, this is nothing new. This is nothing new to the people back in ancient days. There was a time when, when some people asked Jesus, hey, why was this sick person sick? Right? They always assumed that there was something that was spiritual that was creating their disease. So it makes sense 
that God would use disease as a, a way to wake us up and make us become aware of, hey, what sins exist that I need to heal myself from? In ancient days, this was not a this was not a area of confusion, right? Now today, we don't really link sin with disease so much, but back then, for the thousands and thousands or millions of years, or however long humans have been around, whatever, God has woke us up. When we have gotten sick, people have thought, "Hey, what have I done wrong?" And it leads them towards repentance. And it's not just Israel that has known this, right? Chinese medicine has recognized that energetic blockages created by our emotions can lead to disease. So in Chinese medicine, they say fear can lead to kidney disease. Anger can lead to liver disease. Joy comes from the heart. So does disbelief. Disbelief can lead to to heart disease, right? Sadness and grief affects the lungs. Worry affects the spleen. They have all of these different emotions that link to the physical body. And I know that this is true because I've met people who have lived in a constant state of fear, constant state of fear. They end up getting kidney disease. One of my friends had his kidney removed after living in a constant state of fear for like multiple years. He never dealt with his fear. He never knew how to deal with his fear. He didn't know repentance was an option and he didn't know it was so easy in order to get out of that fear state, out of that fight or flight state, right? And so this this is something that is not new at all. In my own journey, I had to repent of everything. I mean, everything. And the way that my parasites would work is that when I would repent of one thing, it was as if when I would repent of that thing, it would leave Wherever that sin was attached in within my physical body, there was typically a parasite also attached to that too because the parasites were attached to any type of darkness that was inside of me, right? And so as I would let go of certain sins, parasites would literally just leave my body. They would have nowhere to hold on to. And so I'm speaking not only from biblical truth, but I'm speaking from firsthand experience. When you get rid of the darkness in your body, the spiritual energies and the energetic blockages and anything else that might be creating disease within your energetic layers of being simply have nothing left to hold on to and they must go. You're casting them out by, ret- by taking the darkness and restoring it back to light. So what do we do? Well, the early church knew exactly what to do. In Acts, they say, repent and turn to God so that your sins can be wiped out. To receive forgiveness, we must first go to God and ask for it by repenting, by confessing our sins. Now, there's one guy, if you remember the book, A More Excellent Way. This is from a a healing minister. This guy has helped tens of thousands of people heal themselves from over 500 different diagnoses. And he says in his book, you can't expect God to bless you if you're separated from him in an area that needs to be dealt with. In other words, God gives you, God wakes you up with illnesses. Not always, but this is sometimes his plan. He's waking you up with an illness saying, this needs to be dealt with in your life. Because a lot of times, if we don't get physically sick and actually have to like take some time to recenter ourselves, We are so busy with our life just doing whatever we do, right? Sometimes God actually makes us sick so that we refocus 
on the spiritual things, on the deeper things that need, that need attention. And there are some areas of our life that need attention that we haven't welcomed God into. And he's like, hey, I'm going to heal you. I'm willing to heal you, but you have to deal with this and you've got to bring me into it. So by repenting, we're becoming aware of what we have done wrong and inviting God into our lives in order to deal with it. Now, the minister who who wrote this in his book, he once dealt with five women at once who had arthritis. They all came to him. They had crippling arthritis in their fingers. And he said, hey, I can try to work with you, but I will never be able to heal you if you have darkness that this stuff is lashed onto. So first, you need to deal with whatever you need to deal with, right? And so he started walking them through different like healing exercises to understand what is it that you have to deal with. And it turns out that all of them held anger towards someone in their life. And they all had to forgive somebody to get rid of this bitterness. And so he led them in a prayer of healing. He didn't do anything. He didn't touch them. He didn't do whatever. He just led them in a prayer of healing and guided them to ask God for forgiveness through repentance to help heal their relationships with this person. And so he told these five women, if you from your heart will sincerely forgive that person of their trespasses, the people who they were angry with, whether you like it or not, I'm going to ask God to heal you. He also said, if you forgive them just because you want healing and not because you truly forgive them, then it's not going to work and we're wasting our time. And we're going to come back to this in the next episode when we talk about forgiveness uh, because that's a really, really big topic. But right now, I want you to know that those five women, they repented of their bitterness towards this other person in their life. And they asked for forgiveness and they forgave that other person. And all five of them within that time of prayer were healed completely of their arthritis, five people at once. This is the power of repentance. This is the healing power of repentance. You can literally heal your body from disease, from from arthritis, from cancers, from all sorts of different things through repentance. And by bringing the problem, bringing the illness to God and recognizing that this is God waking you up, telling you, hey, you've got something that you have to deal with. You have something that's stuck in your body. You have some kind of energy that's stuck in your body that's dark, that's dense, that's blocking your own chi, your own energy flow from being able to heal yourself. And thus, that's how cancer gets created in the first place. So I'm going to guide you through a path to repentance. How do we repent? And it's not as straightforward as you might think. Um, There's actually five steps that I have identified through my research, through my study, through my firsthand experience. I call them the five R's of repentance. And the first R is to recognize what you've done. This is to identify what needs repentance in the first place. Now, identifying what needs repentance is also not as straightforward as you might think. It's actually, there's a lot of things that we do that we don't even realize are sins. And I break these down. I actually have another framework for this. It's called the three Ds. So 
the three D's, these are three areas of sin or three sources of sin that you can think of. And they come from three different things. So the first one is double-mindedness. And now this is a quote from James. He's basically saying, whenever you do something that you know is wrong, you're being double-minded, right? It's like whenever you're purposefully sinning, you're being double-minded. So you can think of this as classical sin. You know you shouldn't do it and you're doing it anyways. And now this isn't just things that you do. This is also things that you say and even things that you think. Now, everything you do, think, and say has repercussions in the spiritual world. This became very, very, very clear to me when I was working with the indigenous people in Brazil. I got to observe how thoughts, words, and actions would literally interact at different frequencies and be and basically resonate with different spirits. Some of them healing spirits, some of them not healing spirits. If you're living in a state of fear, what kind of spirits do you think you're going to get? Not great ones. Ones that create fear, ones that are the source of fear. You're literally calling out to the spiritual world of fear and saying, hey, all spirits of fear come to me, right? So fear is a thought. Fear is a sin. And Jesus said this flat out. He said, do not worry. Do not worry. That was a command. That wasn't just like a helpful piece of life advice. That's a command. Do not worry because fear is sin. Fear leads to disease. Fear is a sin that can lead to disease, right? What kind of disease? We already talked about kidney disease. It can probably lead to all sorts of kinds of diseases though because imagine all the different types of fearful spirits or spirits that are associated with fear that you're going to be allowing into your body by living in in a state of fear. So what do we do? Every time we think or say or do something that's not in alignment, what do we do? Immediately, we need to catch ourselves in that moment and immediately bring it to God and repent it. And this is how you break the pattern. If you immediately catch yourself and you break the pattern and you give it to God, and you catch yourself again and you break the pattern and you repent and you give it to God and you do this with yourself. Every time you notice this coming into your consciousness, you will break the pattern of fear. You will break the pattern of worry. You will break the pattern of anger. You will break the pattern of lust. These emotions do not have to be a part of you. They shouldn't be a part of you. And I can promise you, I'm not perfect. But after doing a lot of work, I don't feel fear as much. I don't worry as much. I don't have lossful thoughts thoughts as much. I'm not saying I never, ever, ever have these things. But honestly, I don't even recognize these things coming and being, they're not a usual part of my day. They're not a usual part of my life because I did this work. Every time I noticed that pattern, I broke the pattern and I gave it to God. And this isn't, by the way, This is like science-backed psychology, right? If you study Tony Robbins, he's one of the best people at helping people break bad habits. People who are deeply depressed, deeply anxious, right? You may not think of depression and anxiety as sins, but they are. Those are sins that you need to cast out of your body, right? He helps people come out of those states. How does he do it? He breaks the pattern. He knows that in our brains, in the, in, from the science of neurology, when you feel a certain way over and over and over again, you are building 
like a cord within your brains. You're building neuro, neural pathways that make it easier and faster to feel anxious and feel depressed, right? How do you get rid, how do you weaken those pathways? By breaking the pattern. As long as you allow a pattern to happen, it continues to happen. The way that we cast out sin and the way that we heal ourselves from any feelings of depression, anxiety, or worry, or fear, or anger, or physical illnesses or, that may be rooted in emotions is we, we immediately break the pattern by repentance. So that's the first thing is double-mindedness. The things that you know you're doing wrong that you shouldn't be doing. The second thing is distance from God. Now, this may be the most common of all of the sins that exist in the world today. Even among believers, you know, among all, like among non-believers, right? Obviously, there's distance to God. But even among believers today, are we really spending enough time in prayer? Are we really reading our Bible every day? Are we really going to God to ask for guidance in our major life decisions? Are we really depending on him or are we really depending on ourselves to guide our lives? That's a true, that's a real question. I mean, obviously I don't think anybody, I mean, that's not true. Maybe, maybe you're perfect, right? Um, most people are not spending enough time with God. Now here's the thing. If the devil can't make you sin, he's going to make you distracted. He's just going to make you not spend a lot of time with God. And one thing that we know is true is that when we come close to God, he comes close to us. When we don't come close to God, he doesn't come close to us either. If we want God at a deeper level in our life, we must come to him much more often. Now, how often? Well, there's one guy that I like a lot <laughs> who said, I pray once a day. <laughs> the prayer starts when I wake up and it ends when I go to bed. I'm kind of the same way, to be honest. My mind is focused on the divine throughout the entire day. And as the more I focus on God and, 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 and talk to him and pray to him, and he's basically on my mind all day long. This is how he wants us to live. He wants us to live in alignment with him in all of our decisions. And if, he, if we do that, then we will be able to follow his guidance instead of trying to guide our own paths ourselves. And so some people, they're not even outwardly sinning. Some people are living a, a righteous life in terms of not committing outward sins, not committing the double-minded sins, right? But they're not spending enough time with God. You probably know somebody like this, where it's like this person would never break the rules. They are a completely honest person, right? Yet, they perhaps don't pray enough or they get too busy and they make excuses or, you know, whatever it may be. These types of things can also make you sick. So if distance is your sin, then you need to think of a way right now of how you're actually just going to include God more into your life. And don't just say, okay, I'm going to do it. Plan it. Decide what it's going to be. Are you going to pray more? Are you going to perhaps listen to better music? <laughs> Are you going to read your Bible? 
Are you going to meditate and sit in silence? You know, what are the things that you're going to do in order to realign your focus on God and then plan it into your life and your routines and your habits? And don't just listen to me saying this. Actually, go do that. Pause this right now if you have to and actually go do that. The third D, the third area where sin can come from is disobedience. Now, this is different than double-mindedness because double-mindedness, you're aware you're doing something wrong. Disobedience is you're not even aware that you're breaking one of God's commandments. Now, it's crazy uh, to say this out loud, but truly, like I grew up in a pretty liberal liberal environment. Um, I didn't think it was a big deal to have sex before marriage, just truthfully. And so I didn't realize, though, that when I got sick and I had to start repenting, I had parasites coming out of my sacrum, which is your sexual energy center. And I would have to repent for every single person that I had slept with. And what would happen is that parasite actually would start in my sacrum and be feeding off my sacrum. I would repent for that person. It was like an individual parasite for each person. That parasite would then move up to my heart. After I was repenting to God, saying, I'm sorry, God, I had to repent to the soul of the person who I was with and say, I'm sorry to that person as well. And the parasite would go from my sacrum when I was repenting from God, it would go from my sacrum to my heart. And as I repented to them and confessed it, I didn't have to speak to them physically, but I had to speak to them spiritually. As I confessed it to their, their souls, that parasite would eventually leave my heart and it would completely just disappear out of my body. So... This is something that I just simply didn't know was that big of a deal. So I was, I was sitting, you know, it was clear. It's clear sin. If you read the Bible, it's like, don't sleep around before marriage. You know, it's one of the hard things to obey, but if you love God, then freaking do it. Um, and so when I, then I made a covenant, I was like, okay, God, I'm not gonna have sex before marriage. If that's what you want, I love you enough in order to, to give that up for you. And when I did that and I started dating again, I had the opportunity to break that covenant. But I didn't break that covenant. And what happened was I ended up receiving one of my biggest healings ever on my sacrum for not breaking that covenant. And I literally restored my sexual energy where the parasites had eaten away at my sexual energy because I had kept that covenant, because I had simply obeyed one of God's command, it restored my sexual energy and I felt that energy come into my sacrum. Well, the next day, I walked through airport security and as I was walking through airport security, a big red box appeared right over my sacrum. It could detect that there was some kind of electromagnetic activity happening right over my sacrum. And so I had to get padded down and all this stuff. Now this had only happened one other time before and it was right after I received some very powerful Reiki also on my sacrum and also recorded a very big red box on on this thing. So that very powerful Reiki was the equivalent of just keeping God's commands, right? By just obeying God, by simply not sinning, by keeping my covenant with him, I received a major healing that was the equivalent of like three hours of Reiki from like a master, right? So these are the three areas of sin. Double-mindedness, doing something you know you shouldn't do. Two is distance. Three is disobedience. So where are your sins? I I, uh, recommend you actually pause this and you take an inventory. What are the things? Like in prayerfully, 
Ask God, what are the things that I need to get rid of? What are the things that I need to let loose and that I need to give to you through repentance? Now, here's one thing, is that there are some sins that you hold that aren't even yours. One of them comes through unforgiveness, and we'll cover that in the next episode. Another one comes from generational sin. And there are times when you actually have to repent for your ancestors and say, I don't even know what happened, but I know terrible things have happened in my ancestry. It has happened in all of our ancestry, right? And the whole story of Adam and Eve, by the way, is the story of how their sin had consequences for the rest of humanity. So whether you or not you take this story literally, it doesn't really matter. The point of that story is saying the fall of man is the fact that our ancestors have sinned. And because our ancestors have sinned, that is what has brought so, so much of the evil energy, so much of the demons and demonic spirits and whatnot in this world that are fighting against the light of this world. So there are also generational sins that you may have to repent for that you didn't even create. But trust me, I've repented for generational sin before. It works. I received a lot of healing. Um, as I'm just repenting, I don't even know what I'm repenting for. I'm just repenting for my ancestors. I'm sorry for what's happened. I'm sorry for the wars that we've been a part of uh, and everything else that I can think of. So although I say three sources of sin, there's actually one hidden source and that's the generational source of sin. Okay, that's step one of the five hours of repentance. Are you still with me? Because this is a long episode because there's a lot to cover here. Repentance is one of the really big, one of the biggest things in terms of spiritual healing. After you recognize where your sin is coming from, the next step is to take responsibility. If we do not take responsibility for our actions, it's just like a parent, like a good parent is not gonna free, is not gonna let us off the hook if we don't take responsibility. Well, our father is that good parent. And so you can imagine that when I was repenting, as I was repenting of those sexual sins I was telling you about earlier, um, at one point I was saying, hey God, I didn't know. I didn't even know that I wasn't supposed to do this. Guess how much healing I got? Nada, nothing. I had to say, I should have known. I should have known better. I should have, you know, I should have known better. I should have looked for, for, you know, the advice in the right places and whatnot. And at once I started to accept responsibility and truly say, Hey, it's my fault. Even if you don't feel like it's your fault, even if you feel like someone else wronged you and that's why you're angry. No, you have full control over your emotional body. You have full control over how you think, what you say, how you feel. That's the truth. You have full control, not somebody else. Don't give up your power to somebody else. If you're giving up your power to somebody else, it means also that you haven't, you have some unforgiveness there, which we'll cover in the next episode. But if you do not claim to have full control of your emotions, your thoughts, your bodies, your sayings, everything, you're not going to receive healing. You must accept responsibility for everything you think, say, and do. You, you follow me? You must accept responsibility. Only after then do you go to God with a fully penitent heart, meaning a fully humble heart, and you, you give everything you have to him. Now, you don't just say, hey, Lord, I'm really sorry. I didn't, you know, I haven't followed your commands all my life. No, that's a weak prayer. When you come to God, if you, when you want true forgiveness, give him everything 
you have emotionally. Move yourself emotionally. It's by moving yourself emotionally that you are unblocking these energetic blockages. It's through the the emotions inside of you need to come out of your body. The spiritual blockages need to come out of your body. You need to rile yourself up emotionally and come to God and be like, and acknowledge he has been so gracious and so good to you. And he has given you the, the whole world. He created this whole planet for us and all the animals and everything that is, he did that all for us. And we have strayed away from him. So go to him from that place of understanding in full repentance. Now, when I did this, I was on my hands and my knees in the forest, crying, tears, snot dripping down my nose. And I, I, would, I was repenting so hard. I had a bloody nose at one point. I had blood, snot, and tears streaming out of my face as I'm on my, on my hands and knees, crying up to God, begging him for forgiveness. And before all of this happened, I believed that I lived a truly pretty good life, you know? It's like even my work that I chose, the path of work that I chose was to help the poor escape poverty. I tried to be a good person. I tried to live in forgiveness. Yet I acknowledged that the grace of Christ is so much greater. He, He has forgiven me of so much more that I didn't deserve it. And when you come from this place of, I don't even deserve this, when I don't deserve your, your, your forgiveness, but I'm I asking for it anyways because I know how gracious you are. And it was when I fully acknowledged the grace and the forgiveness of Christ and the full understanding that, hey, I don't deserve this, that I was able to bring myself to that emotional state where even the smallest things that I did wrong would move me extremely emotionally. I also was highly motivated because this is how I had to heal myself. I was very, very sick. <laughs> But when you repent, one very, very important thing is to give sincere repentance. Now, this is the same thing that Dr. Henry Wright was talking about in his book earlier, where he's like, hey, you can't, you can't repent because you want healing. You must repent because you are truly sorry. If you're repenting because you're wanting healing, then that's considered like a tainted prayer. And in Arabic, when you study Islam, the Arabic word for sincere, when they're talking about sincere repentance, means untainted. And so even they know this as well, you know. You can't give a tainted prayer. They can't be ulterior motives. You can't do this because you want something from God. You have to, at this moment, forget about your healing. Be like, I know that this will come later. The healing will come later. But right now, I come to you humbly as a servant to you, God, asking for forgiveness so I can get right back on the right track with you because I want this for you and me. I want this for me and you. I don't want this for any other reason. I don't want this for the healing. I don't want this for, for a miracle or anything like that. I just want this because I want to. I love you, God, and I want to be back together with you, God. That's how we repent. Full emotional engagement, full sincerity, no tainted anything, right? The fourth step is to now renounce any spiritual roots that are still keeping you stuck in this pattern. If you do not directly address a spirit, it will not come out of you. If you are ignoring the fact that you have a spiritual entity that is perhaps causing you disease or is perhaps controlling your thoughts or perhaps controlling your emotions or whatever it may be, if there's something spiritually rooted inside of your body, 
You need to address it with certainty, knowing that Jesus Christ is behind you and that he can cast out any spirit that is inside of you. At this point, you renounce him in around the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, casting out all things with unsportance, with certainty and calling down angels and asking for the power of Jesus and his whole spiritual army to back you up and renounce to get rid of any spiritual entities that still exist inside of you. As long as those spiritual entities stay, you will continue to be sick. Those patterns will continue to happen. Now, in when with my uh, experience or with my own situation, when once I became aware of the spirits, that's when I really started to be able to cast out like many, 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 many of them. <laughs> I literally cast out like hundreds of parasites out of my body. It was freaking wild. But the point is that if you do not address the spirit, they want to stay unknown. As long as you stay ignorant to the fact that they exist, they're just going to hide down. They're going to, they're going to find whatever space is left. What you want to do is you want to first destroy their habitat through repentance. And once you destroy their habitat, come after them with the sword of the spirit and Christ as your weapon and get them out of your body. Destroy their habitat, then kill them and they will leave, right? This is, the, this is like the dual-edged sword. And now lastly, just like Jesus said, hey, if you, if you go back to your ways, stop sinning so nothing worse happens to you. If you go back to your ways, a, a legion of demons will come back. At this point, the only thing left is to resist the temptation. And trust me, you're, even if you cast out the spirit, you're not done with that yet. There's going to be temptation. It's going to come back to you. And it's going to try to get back into your body. Um, your job is to just not fall back into those old ways. If you fall back into those old ways, you can even get worse. So repentance is how we clean the spiritual body. It's, it is essential for the path to healing. There's five steps to it. Those to recognize, to take responsibility, to actually repent, to renounce spirits, and then to resist the temptation. That's our path. That's our spiritual path to healing. And John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the promise of Jesus Christ. This is the promise back then. It's the promise that he has today with us and it's the promise forever into the future that if we confess our sins, he will cast out our, he will cast out the darkness. He will forgive us and he will heal us. But first you've got to do this work. So if you have not yet started by identifying, create a list, identifying your sins, that would be the first step in the, the next episode, by the way, is on forgiveness. And these two are linked. They're hand in hand. That's why I had to bring it up so many times in this episode. You cannot miss that next episode. So if you listen to this one, go ahead and start listening to that one right away because you need both in order to be forgiven. And you'll see why when we get there.